What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Pit and Roll podcast. A special episode today uh, with the brand new coach of the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, Scott Roth. It's going to be a fun conversation uh, here in just a little bit. As always, uh, basketball continues to roll on, and we think we think. We are just a few days away from NBL 21 tip-off, which everyone's going to be really excited about. Obviously, uh, there has been changes through the last couple of weeks, but uh, let's not mess around. Joining me now on the show is the recently announced inaugural head coach of the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. Now, we've been speaking to a bunch of people that have uh, got to do with this Tasmania franchise that is obviously going to be up and running uh, here uh, for next season as we get ready to tip the 2021 season. It is Scott Roth and Scott, uh, we were just briefly discussing this. I know we've texted a little bit during the week as well. Uh, you're going through a crazy time right now with the Perth Wildcats, who you are still an assistant coach with. Where are you at now? What is going on? I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, so, you know, we went up to Brisbane thinking that we were going to get away with playing a few games before the season actually started this weekend. And they hadn't had any cases of COVID up there for, I guess, 130 some days. And then we got up there and obviously within 24 hours of us landing there, uh, one of the cases was detected there. And then by the time that all happened, uh, we ended up canceling our second of two games there and flew back to Perth and obviously are in quarantine. So uh, we're in for 14 days. Uh, I think this is day five. Um, the good news is uh, as of yesterday, we were, uh, granted uh, practice times in the morning. So we're allowed to head over to practice and be in the gym for a few hours, which is a good relief and exercise and mental relief also and um, get some practice in the mornings. And then, you know, by noon, we have to be back into wherever we live and that's it for the rest of the day. So uh, yeah, it's been pretty strict. Yeah. I think you mentioned to me, I think 46 days or something like that was, was the yeah, number you so mentioned. <laughs> I first came over, when I first came over, I did 14 um, in Sydney and then right from yeah. Sydney to that afternoon I left and land at a, a different kind of hour time. So they gave me 15 more days in um, Perth. So that was 29 days. And then we've already done two days of basically lockdown in Brisbane when this case was uh, detected before we were allowed to fly again. And then once this next 14 days are over, you know, it's going to be pushing the 45 mark, I think, or somewhere along there. I really hate counting it, but um, yeah, it's been a little bit crazy, but you know, as an American, you can't say much as poorly as we've done. So at least you guys got rules over here and people are following them. And, you know, here in Western Australia, it's actually remarkable that, you know, they've been seven or eight months with really no cases and people are just walking around normally. So um credit to the credit to the country yeah i mean that was i guess one thing i was going to ask obviously we're going to talk about tasmania a lot here but given what has gone on even just the last few weeks which on the world scale is obviously pretty minimal as you mentioned compared to certainly what's happening in the u.s how have you been able to manage it and try and navigate through this where the the season tip-off is changing felt like daily there for a few days now you do have some sort of schedule but i guess we have to say based on what we've seen and it's concrete for now we'll, we'll see what happens how how can you even possibly prepare for a season or, or try and uh, counteract what could potentially come next how, how do you balance that yeah you know they these guys have been doing it obviously much longer than i have i really feel bad for the players um in general just because you know we basically i haven't but they've been here for seven or eight months practicing basically to play a game 
and um, you know things have been pushed back and delayed and just the nature of the of the world right now and it's hard to you know to concentrate and get locked in and we were getting actually excited last week when we felt like we we're going to have these two games and then start the season this weekend and and then this happened so you know at the end of the day you have to remain flexible keep it in perspective um, you know we have great professional guys down here in Perth anyways that are are uh, very mature in their attitude and their approach to the game and and you know you just got to go with the flow but you do have to remain flexible you can't let it get mental I think a lot of teams will um, be in the same boat obviously just trying to get the week to week to make sure things are on schedule and practices are running right and, and what is going to happen uh, from week to week but I think the teams that are going to actually do well in this situation are teams that have some maturity level with their with their players and that are flexible and that can remain positive and flexible even when things get scrambled. So I obviously I do feel like I kind of buried the lead here, but we do want to talk about the Jack Jumpers and uh, as far as this hiring goes and you taking the job, I, I know it's it's been mentioned that you officially will take over on March 1st. So given we've just spent the first couple of minutes here talking about the Wildcats, what does the yeah. next four weeks look like for you? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm obviously officially going to start on the 1st. Um, my hope is really at the end of the day, um, in the next two or three weeks here, uh, to be heading over to Hobart and then um, you know getting settled in there and then actually going to the the bubble that's going to be in Melbourne where all the teams will be. Um, really, I just want to make sure that my responsibilities here with Perth are taken care of and that the transition is smooth and that the players are taken care of and and just the whole thing with Trevor and, and the whole group that uh, I honored, you know, my, my few weeks here as they get another coach in here and just try to make it as seamless as possible. So what is this situation or why is this opportunity at, and clearly it's unique. It's not every day if you are in the running for a head coaching role that it's going to be a, a startup franchise. So why is the Tasmania job appealing to you? What excited you about this uh, job when you were going through the process? Yeah, you know, last year I was, uh, you know, last, well, I shouldn't say last year, but the last three or four years as I was thinking about leaving the NBA and just trying to maybe start a new journey and just do something different, uh, one of the leagues that I was following closely and kept hearing great things about was the NBL. And so when I did have a chance by, I guess, some dumb luck to be over here last year and get uh, here with about seven games into it with Perth, um, it gave me a chance to obviously see the league and see what was going on. And and once I was here for a few weeks, I knew that, you know, if I had an opportunity, I'd love to coach in the league. And I knew that I'd have to be patient. And I've kind of been patient the last three or four years as I was trying to you know, plan my exit from the NBA and just try to move on to things. And I was just very lucky, one, to get over here last year and see the league and then win a championship. And, um, you know, when the, when, the, when the Jack Jumpers job was being talked about as far as a team was coming into Tasmania uh, and what was going to happen there, it's just something that I got attracted to right away because I think this, it's a unique situation in sports where you can build something from the beginning. Um, you get to put your fingerprint on it and and it really just something that would excite me and and I would love to have a chance to build and and spend quite a few years there really setting a culture and, and starting things from scratch uh, you know the scary part is maybe it scared some other people away that you know there's nothing there there's no team no 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 basketballs probably in the gym no no players obviously no trainers no staff but 
uh, I think at the end of the day, it's still exciting to build all that, to put that all together, uh, to have a plan and see it unfold and, um, and be patient and go through the process and build something unique. And, and um, so in the middle of last year when all that was going on, I just knew this was a job that I had a, I had a very good feeling about and I was just kind of all in and following it. And when I got back to the States in the summer, you know, I followed the whole situation with the naming of the team and when it became official that they were going to be in. And I felt like if I didn't come back this year to Perth with the craziness that was going on in the world, that I'd probably not have a chance at this job. And I felt like, um, you know, 50% of me obviously wanted to come back and be here with Perth because it's such a great organization and, and a city and the fans. But the other 50% of me wanted to come back because, again, I felt like um, being in the country – was going to give me the best advantage if I had a chance to, you know, go interview for this job and, you know, things worked out and spent two or three weeks talking with people and going through the process. And yeah, I was very fortunate to get the job and I'm excited about it. Yeah. I've read in, in some of the interviews you've done or some quotes from you that you, as you sort of just hinted to there, you did have your eye on the NBL and it was a league that you certainly followed. So now you've had that, um, well, I guess it's, it's basically a full season working with Perth, obviously last year. What did you learn? about the league from having that, that hands-on role and obviously being in there day-to-day? Well, I think it's just invaluable. You know, you can look at it from afar on video and watch stuff, but, you know, once you, once you get here and actually see the players, so obviously scouting the players and getting a very good feel for, for rosters and players, for coaching and style of play, um, you get to see the referees, you get to see the travel, um, and just how the league is operating um, is just invaluable. And then, you know, you, you throw that all in with probably, you know, one of the best teams um, ever, uh, cultural-wise, in 35 straight years in the playoffs and, and then win a championship with them and you get kind of a, a peek behind the scenes of what's going on in Perth and how they've, how they've managed to be so good for so long. Um, it's just all invaluable uh, moving forward. And I thought, again, if this job appeared that, you know, I would be more than ready for it one way or another, but to be here and see the league last year, I think just gave me a huge advantage of my background internationally and in the NBA and and then being here last year. Yeah. And your, I mean, your coaching resume uh, for the listeners that, that aren't aware, I mean, you've been in the NBA, you've been overseas. Well, I guess Australia counts as overseas for you, but also your last head coaching job was in the G league, which is really fascinating because I've always enjoyed talking to players that have played in the G league and then come out, uh, here to Australia as well to get a player's comparison. But now that you've been here, obviously you've spent some time in the G League. And to be fair, the G League has continued to improve uh, even since um, you were there so recently. So uh, do you see a comparison there? What's the major difference between those two leagues? Well, I don't I don't see so much a comparison, to be honest with you. The G League's a unique animal. I don't think there's anywhere really in in the basketball world where winning necessarily isn't the number one priority mm-hmm. um in the G league in the g league you know everyone obviously wants to win you want to have the best team possible but it's year to year there and how they're building the teams and what draft choices are available and, and how much the teams are using it and and there's a lot of movement in the g league and it's more again about developing players and getting guys minutes especially their draft choices that are getting moved up and down between the roster and between the, the parent franchise and and yeah, you want to win, but at the end of the day, minutes, um, continuity, uh, all those things are very important and you're trying to do the best you can. Um, but it is a unique situation down there just because, you know, you're not as a coach as stressed about 
losing games or those type of things. It's more just being prepared, uh, making sure guys are getting their minutes, uh, developing the players, making sure that there's a uh, synergy between, you know, for example, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Iowa Wolves that were on the same terminology and using the same things that Coach Thibodeau wanted to use. And, and, and so it's, it's different in that way. And, uh, it, you know, it's going to be interesting with Tasmania. I mean, you mentioned some of the, the challenges that you have when it is a startup franchise. And I think from the outside and whether it's fans, uh, people do automatically look at the roster and they think, okay, well, who are going to be the players on the team? Who's going to help this team win? For you as the coach, obviously, there's much more than that. And there's also the business side of things, trying to make this a successful franchise from the ground up. We've seen that with South East Melbourne last season, they've had that challenge um, as well. So not only are you coaching, it feels like there's a lot more on your plate as well. So how did, how do you try and focus your time? What are some of the things you're thinking about? Is it trends of the game, your own coaching style, roster, everything tied into one? You know, I think it's just very important that you go step by step and don't get too impatient and skip the process. I mean, obviously the first thing is I'm going to have to create a staff for myself, uh, which will take a few weeks here. And once I, once I, finish my responsibilities here. I'll start to work on that. Uh, I have to be, you know, hand in hand with Simon Brookhouse and just making sure we're, we're on the same page every day uh, with the process of making decisions. Um, and then eventually, obviously, we're going to have to add some players. So, um, you know, it is tough. Listen, uh, Southeast Melbourne started off very well in the first two or three weeks of the season, and then they lost 17 of the next 19 games. So it can be very humbling, uh, even with a roster you think that's halfway decent. The league's tough. There's good players. There's very good coaching. This is not going to be an easy uh, flip the switch and just think you're going to turn everything uh, on and on end and, and just start winning games left and right. There is a process. You know, my goal is hopefully in this first year to find two or three uh, core players that we can start to build around, Australian players that we can build around and keep adding to that base. And then hopefully maybe develop some players here and there and then obviously do as best we can in the import area. Um, and, and see what we do there. But um, I don't want to overextend ourselves, and, and I want us to be flexible when we're looking at situations and not plan necessarily for just this year, but two or three years down the road and make sure that, you know, we have spots available for players that might be coming due maybe two years from now as opposed to next year. Um, I think you just have to be clever about the way you go about it and have realistic expectations. But the bottom line is um, – you want to be competitive. You want to be the best you can possibly. I want to win a championship, um, but I also don't think you can just skip steps and, and just kind of get impatient and panic and just make moves and sign guys just because you think it's going to be a quick fix. Yeah, talking to Tommy Greer the other week uh, on this show, and certainly you kind of just hinted to it there. I mean, their first signing was that Australian player, uh, Mitch Craig, who clearly not only fits the bill uh, as a talent, uh, but he has been that culture guy and he's been able to build that. Is that's, it sounds like to me that's kind of the path you're going to have to go down when you are trying to build this. I know Simon has spoke about potentially getting a, a bigger name Australian player to not only um, build the culture of the team, build excitement within Tasmania and around the league, but sustainable success uh, for multiple years. Yeah, no question. I mean, obviously... <laughs> We want to find the best possible Australian players we can and put them in a jack jumper uniform. And But the problem is not other teams are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we have to be very selective and, and, and make sure that uh, we're doing it the right way. But 
yeah, of course, we'd love to have a situation where, um, again, where we can get two or three core play- players this first year. I think the free agent class is going to be uh, solid and that there's some players in there that are uh, of interest. Um, and then there's some, obviously, Australian players that are not inside uh, the NBL that we'll have to look at also. But, um, yeah, they started off with Mitch Creek, which was you know, obviously a very good signing and someone that you'd love to have on your roster right off the bat and start to build around him. And we're going to kind of be in the same, same mode, and, and, and we'll see where we go with it. And uh, I guess the, the question um, for you, I guess, over the next few weeks here, I'm not sure. Did you have to go down to Tassie for the process? Have you been able to? Have you been there before? No, I haven't. I haven't been there. I mean, I missed last year's uh, the preseason games down there, and everyone was raving about how nice it was. And you know, also obviously last year when I started to follow um, that situation, you know, I just kept reading just d- different travel magazines and whatever. You know, it's a bucket list kind of place where people are really getting excited to go to for for culinary reasons, for uh, resort reasons, and spa reasons. And the place seems like it's going to be. Uh, once COVID uh, goes away here, hopefully sooner than later, that it's going to be a, a destination for a lot of people that are traveling. And I look forward to getting over to Hobart. I haven't been down there. And uh, everything uh, that we were doing was was on Zoom. And um, I can't wait to get over there and start meeting the people and getting out and, and getting a feel for the city. But I heard it's very, very nice there. And I'm looking forward to, you know, creating some roots down there and, and getting to meet everyone. Yeah, I, I did mention to Simon the other week. I said, um, I'm kind of jealous you get to move down there. It is very nice. I've been a couple of times myself. But uh, listen, I know it's the middle of the day over there. Uh, I, I will let you go. But I do appreciate you jumping yeah, on no because, because I think it's, um, it's obviously pretty exciting for basketball in Australia and, uh, and obviously a, a great step for you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. I'll be around, obviously. And, and uh you know, hopefully when the world starts spinning crazy and stuff, we'll have a chance to meet uh, and um, we'll talk live or be around each other and uh, look forward to seeing you. All right. That's going to do it for the Pit and Roll podcast today. And actually, it's going to do it for the Pit and Roll podcast for a little while here. I am going to have to take a little bit of a step back. As with uh, everyone that uh, writes, uh, talks, does video chats, Uh, with the pick and roll obviously uh, none of us are employed full-time and uh, I've been fortunate enough obviously it's been a long year for a lot of people Uh, myself personally at the time when COVID hit I was living over in the US um, doing a lot of stuff over there with the NBA and I've had to come home and it's been a little bit bleak in the sports front as everyone knows uh, particularly here in Australia and particularly where I'm living in Victoria and uh, I've been fortunate enough here over the next few weeks to to pick up a bunch of work and and hopefully that extends moving forward so uh, for the time being I listen we, we gotta eat you gotta put food on the table so I'm going to have to step away uh, from doing this podcast just for a little bit it's not through a lack of effort it's not through not being committed to the pick and roll or doing this show uh, simply it's it's a personal sort of situation financially that I have to take care uh, of work and getting paid and all those things that we all need to do to live. So I just wanted to let you guys know that if you see uh, the podcast kind of disappear for a little bit here or for an extended period of time, I should say, uh, that is the reason why. And in many respects, it's, uh, it's, it's good for me to be able to pick up more work, but uh, it has been, or it will be sad to not be able to do this show because it has been a lot of fun. We've had so many fun guests 
over the course of what now is basically been the last five months. We've been doing this show uh, virtually weekly over the last five months, and it's been a lot of fun talking to basketball personalities and coaches, players, and the like. But uh, as always, I thank you guys for your support of me, uh, your support of the pick and roll, and certainly uh, this show. Please do continue to support the pick and roll. Those guys, like I said, uh, they're not necessarily uh, paid full-time wages or, or paid a lot of money for what they do, but they love the game and they provide great coverage uh, of all our Australians playing basketball. So we really thank you. Uh, I really thank you. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. I'll speak to you guys soon.